You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Hey, welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, coming to you live from Portland, Oregon. We share stories that show again and again that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that happiness and success are a state of mind, not the result of material gain or fame. Don't get me wrong, I like making money. But it's really learning to cherish the journey with all of its ups and downs that I call success. Our best guests on Felony Inc. have discovered the amazing power of accountability and have converted adversity to wisdom and a success mindset. Most of our guests have been convicted of felonies and are now honest, hardworking entrepreneurs, ironically. Owning up for my past mistakes and the willingness to work harder than anyone else have been essential to my own triumphs. If you're not willing to do that, might as well have winning the lottery as your life plan. Isn't that what yours is, lad? It is. Well, anyway, that's how good your odds are. Positive change isn't easy. Transformation is a what? Mother effer. Okay. (laughs) Once again, my co-host is Lad Justison. He's on my left-hand side, but he's my right-hand ex-con knucklehead. Lad did 20 years in the joint. That was enough to scare the criminality out of him. Lad is a hard worker and he's an animal lover. I'm often, you know, I've often argued with him about whether this relationship is consensual, but he swears that now means yes. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Oh, for Pete's sake. We got, why do we always go back to the barn jokes? <laughs> Well, didn't you work on a prison farm for a while? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you do there? Well, I had to pay for, you know, what I did to you when we were children. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it all worked out. Okay, good good answer. <laughs> what have you been up to, buddy? Oh, uh, you know, just working hard uh, for your businesses. No, just um, it. Oh, my gosh. You know, I just un- unusually long and hard hours. <laughs> And uh, no, we're we're doing some good over at your African art business. Uh, things are starting to roll along, and I, I think uh, sales are up. Um, yeah. If people uh, listening can go to Dave's website at discoverafricanart.com and buy a bunch of stuffs, we'd appreciate it. Um, besides that, uh, just want to remind everybody that um, on the New Year's Eve we will be playing at uh, the Governor's Ball, and uh, we got Patrick Lamb. He's going to be on one floor. We're going to open up for another band on another floor. Is that uh, what so, we're doing? No. All right. So if you guys are interested, come down to the Governor's Ball and enjoy Patrick Lamb, Dave Dahl, and the Killer Granddaddies. Uh, we're going to have a good time that night. And you know what? Today, our guest on the phone from uh, the Bay Area is Seth. It's San Francisco. That's right. Seth Sunberg. Uh, this guy is seven foot one. 
Can you believe that? You can't, you can't fake seven one. No, you can't fake that. You think you know what? These guys always say that, but you know they're probably like six nine. No, no, but no. They no. always say I'm seven. You know what's one. funny? Sometimes they're shorter. Sometimes they're taller. I, it's you, you just don't go by that. But I bet you this guy. I bet you he's about seven one. <laughs> well, you know what? Pictures. At, uh, he's a former basketball player, played for uh, some pro basketball teams, and at some point after retiring, he filed a fraudulent tax return and managed to get a check from the IRS for guess how much, Dave? Let me think. Uh, five million? Five million dollars. Yeah. Not too surprisingly, he got popped and ended up doing five years in the feds. So, well, incarcerated. He used healthy ingredients from the institution's canteen. Did they have any healthy ingredients on our canteen? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, maybe they did. He's in the feds, though. Zuzus and wham Yeah, that's what, that's what I remember. And uh, anyway, he created a nutrition bar, originally called Prison Bar, and eventually renamed Inside Out Bar. Now, that was fairly recently. I remember meeting um, uh, Seth on the phone years ago now, probably 2015, and at that time it was called Prison Bar. Uh, Seth also does a lot of work with ex-felon re-entry. Seth and I have talked before, like I said, and um, like I said, I think that was 2015, and a lot has happened since, and I'm looking forward to catching up. Uh, welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, Mr. Seth Sundberg. How are you doing, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Honored to be here. I hope you weren't too offended by Lad's um, you know, past. His past is pretty, pretty yeah. scary. <laughs> you know, you know, it sounds like it sounds like it's definitely some shady company that I'm in. So I feel right at home. <laughs> you feel at home. <laughs> but I think uh, I think we're going to find out that Seth has, although he's made some mistakes, has has done some good things since. Um, let's. Why don't we start with? I mean, you're seven foot one. You're, that is conversation starter. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, anywhere. So, but you know, growing up, you probably—it doesn't look to me like you grew up as a criminal. You weren't—you didn't have a criminal background growing up. Am I right? No. You were. You no, I school. didn't. And, and, you know. Yep. I, I had a. You know, honestly, I had a, I had a very privileged life. I had a, you know, good good family, and you know, we're, we're dysfunctional as anybody else's family, but uh, um, you know, a lot a lot of love and support and, and things, and um, you know, my dad was a was a college professor my mom was a teacher um you know and other than you know being abnormally tall uh that was that was uh pretty much the, the standard the standard life was your family really tall yeah you know, what was your family yeah, really tall? everybody, my family, everybody everybody in my family's tall i got uh you know i'm the second tallest in my family actually really? i have an uncle who's uh who's an inch, an inch taller than me but you know, he's getting older, and I think he's—I think he's shrinking some about now to, he's to take over the mantelpiece. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm taking the trophy. Yeah, Lad used to be like uh, five yep. ten. Now I think he's like uh, five three or something. Yeah. He's your pretty. girl, your girlfriend also <laughs> told me that uh, lately you've been shrinking a little bit. So. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, the cold, it's the cold water. I can't really—I can't water. really afford to shrink a whole lot. <laughs> I'm working with—I'm working with the bare minimum as it is. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, okay, you were you were a good student or not really? What, what was yeah, what were you, no, what did you fall in this? Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I was always a good student and, and you know always pushed. You know, like I said, a family of educators and you know so they were always focused on schoolwork and all that. And um, 
you know, also, you know, my dad played, uh, played actually professional football for a while. Um, and so, you know, we have a family of athletes. I have a uncle who played, played, uh, pro baseball and all that stuff. So it was, but it was always that, you know, being a student and an athlete, um, you know, in, in that order, uh, type of thing. That was, that's pretty cool. That was required of me. You know, one, what, yeah, one of the things you guys mentioned before about, uh, you know, being seven feet tall and all that is I know a lot of the guys, you know, now, even the seven footers, they want to be considered six eleven and six ten and all that, so they can, you know, they can get out there and, and shoot the three ball and, you know, run up and down like like uh, like the wind. They they didn't have that. So when I was playing, it was more, you know, people were people wanted to be taller because we played with our back to the basket and you were you know, a post up Standard center, exactly. You, you, you know, exactly. A little jump hook here and. The jump hook was what what uh, what made my career. So interesting. I, um, I, don't, I don't have a lot of that anymore. Yeah. Well, Lad likes to think he's a good basketball player. Well, I used to be until <clears throat> yeah? uh, I met Dave, and then, you know, he fouled the basketball right out of me. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't foul. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Seth, I got, I got um, buddies like that, too, Lad. Don't, don't worry. So, <laughs> so, Seth, where did, you, uh, where did you end up going to college? I uh, went to University of Hawaii. That's right. I remember. And you yeah. played ball yeah. at the University of Hawaii. Were you... Uh, were you did you play a lot of minutes when you were you were in there? We're yeah. basketball fans. Yeah, I was so. a starting center. Yeah, yeah, yeah starting center. I think you had um, like, a really good team. My second was it like eight points, eight rebounds, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was about close that. To nothing, that. nothing amazing. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a really solid. good team my second year, and um, you know my my career was you know looking back on it now it was just like oh it was plagued with injuries and you know basketball is especially down in the post you know you, you you guards get to get away with you know not having to bang and do all that stuff but you know us, us big men you know we take we take a lot of the, a lot of the brunt work and so it's pretty tough so my, my career was always plagued with uh you know plagued with injuries and, and things like that a lot of a lot of professional forces in general is you know it's just timing and being you know in peak physical shape at the right time and getting you know getting the right looks and, and all that so it's you know people i don't think see that side of things um in professional sports, they see, no, you know, I've fancy, seen, you know, what the performance is, but it's timing for sure. I've seen big guys get hurt. Um, tw- the two that I remember yeah. were Motumbo and um, mm-hmm. uh, the other one was Greg Oden here in Portland. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. I heard the snap in Greg Oden when he, when he went down for good. That oh. was it, you know. I was right there in, at the yeah. game. So, anyway, not everybody's oh. a basketball fan, so he's, we'll move on. He's a great player, so. Yeah, they they could have been, or he could have been. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 So, uh, anyway, we we were at uh, at college, and college was fairly uneventful, kind of straightforward. Or what happened there? Yeah, college was great. You know, we, um, we like I said, we had a great team. We ended up winning the the Western Athletic Conference my second year. Um, I played with uh, Anthony Carter was our point guard, and he played a bunch of years in the NBA. Um, great guy, and uh, we had a, we just had a solid team. It was a lot of fun. Um, I uh, I ended up getting hurt uh, towards the end of the season. I had a um, a ruptured spleen, which is a rare kind of weird. That's thing a weird that basketball happened, but, injury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it was it was a you know took an elbow in the right spot. You know, mm. after mouthing off with a guy that. I shouldn't have probably been mouthing off with, and uh, <laughs> you know that that, that happened. So, um, but yeah, and then you know I ended up going to I didn't finish college, I, and so I went to go play pro after that, and left left early, and then 
um, you know, and I had a, you know, I remember having a long talk with my dad about it and, and saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. You're, you're, you're young. You have to take advantage of this opportunity to play professionally. I get that. Just promise me that you'll get your degree eventually. And then, you know, kind of life goes on and he passed away in 2001. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I always, you know, wanted to keep that promise and, you know, just life gets in the way. But once I went to, once I went to prison, I realized, oh, I'm going to be here for a while. So, Got I'll your take degree. some classes in here, so I finished. A, yeah, yeah, I finished a couple of associates inside, and then and then when I got out, I uh, I went back to you know back to Hawaii and, and finished my degree in economics from there. So it was a uh, you know, prison uh, prison was a terrible terrible experience, but it was a a lot, a lot of positive things. It was also an opportunity, so. right? Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, exactly. I, that, that's one of the things we like to talk about on the show is um, is the opportunity that prison is. You know, if you're not seeing it yep. as an opportunity then you're screwing up um you're going to continue yep. to be that yep. screw up. so uh yep. so you got you okay you went to you played um for the lakers for a little bit i think um I, at least yep. you were on the team and you yep. then you went to european ball and okay, yep. so when you got done with all that, or maybe before you were done, you were you you ended up with a uh, uh, an investment company, investment firm. Yep. Yeah, I had a small, I had a small uh, real estate investment and commodity investment company, um, and then I ran a I ran a national branch of a, a mortgage company, and um, so we were doing real estate financing and. You know, I had 13 loan officers that worked for me and a couple processors and a big branch. And it was at a, a great time to, you know, be in real estate and just be in the investment world. And, and uh, this you know, was what year? 2010-ish? This is, yeah, it's about 2004 to 2000. Oh. Well, when I got arrested in 2009. Before so, 2008, uh, yeah. yeah. Before yep, the real, yep, the real yep. bad times. Um, yeah, exactly. So what? when did things go south? Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I think uh, you know can appreciate too is that you know any time you know I don't, I, you know they say they say money is the is the root of all evil, right? Which I, I think is wrong. It can you know, be, I suppose. As, yeah, it's mis it's misquoted. The love of yeah. money is actually the root right. of all evil, right? So when you get when you get the priorities out of whack, um, I think money just just kind of enhances who you already are, right? And yeah. at the time. You know, I was, I was, you know, one of the great things about playing professional sports is that, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a fun life. You get to play a game that you, that you love and, you know, you have all the blood, sweat and tears and, and all this hard, hard drama in it. And, and, uh, but it's, um, you know, it becomes this, um, thing that you get a lot of attention for and, mm. You get know, used to that, huh? If you, if you get sucked, yeah, if you get sucked into that, you re, you kind of can lose who you are, and that's what happened to me. So um, sounds familiar. I lost who I was, and it, and on top of that was making you know making a lot of money, and um, just got very arrogant and greedy and ignorant, kind of all in the same space. And and so I figured, you know, I figured I was big enough and strong enough to take on the IRS, and uh, you know that was obviously obviously wrong. Okay, so that that's a good a good a good lesson. That's a good story, though. Um, we'll we'll catch we'll do that real quick. Uh, he he okay. got a five million dollar check from the IRS, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how does yeah. one 
how does one do that? I mean, I guess I don't really, I don't know all the details, but you know, what made you think you could do that? And, and then you did. And then of course it didn't work out. Yeah. The how piece is probably less important, you know, as, as the why and, and, and the why was yeah. like, really, I got outside of myself and, and, uh, you know, just figured out, you know, I'm kind of, you know, feel, I feel kind of invincible and, you know, let me, let me try this. And who was the IRS? To, that I That's what it would that. take. That's you know, what it would take is feeling invincible yeah. or just yeah. like really arrogant. Right. Um, yep, that's exactly. kind of what I was thinking, and I don't see that, and I don't hear that in your voice, and I don't see that in anything I've seen about you at all. It just seemed like you have learned, if not, you know, always kind of had it, you just didn't recognize it, the humility, the the power of humility, right? Yep. So when yeah, I think, there's, I think there's a big, there's a big. Sorry. No, I was just going to say when. I was going to say I think there's a. Go ahead. <laughs> that's the I problem think there's with a big phone calls. Between, you know. Air, <laughs> there's a big difference between arrogance and confidence, right? It's it's okay to be confident and know truly who you are and what you're about, even if it's you know, even if it's uh, you know, not not you know, not popular or not you know, whatever it is, not you know, you just. But if you know who you are, there's an authenticity about it, yeah. and you know, you kind of stand in that. And and arrogance is kind of the opposite of that, right? It's, I think it's, so. Uh, you know, not knowing who you are and trying to appease people and do and do all this and. Um, it's a very, very unhealthy space to be in, and that's that's the space I was in. And I think I confidence comes well. for people like us, at least. We, well, I shouldn't say like us, but in some ways, we've learned some of the same lessons. And um, yeah, for sure, the confidence that I ended up having, which I do have confidence, there are things I'm probably not confident about, but uh, for the most part, I do the things I'm confident about, and. Um, you know, that came from humility for me, uh, the, the humility yep, to be myself. And if I can be myself, I can be pretty confident. If I'm trying to be yep. somebody else or yep. trying and to, yeah, go ahead. Yep. No, and there's a, there's a, there's a huge piece, you know, in, you know, in you and your story and everything that you've gone through of, of being vulnerable. Right. And, yeah. this, you know, being truly who you are is, is Transparent a vulnerable place. And vulnerable. And, it's transparent exactly and you know and there's a there's a great great quote that uh cat cat Ho taught me um that we that we bond in our vulnerability yeah, we love cat yeah yeah oh she's amazing yeah she's she's literally saved my life so you know dave um, dave is so transparent that sometimes when he's in the room you don't even see him yeah uh, <laughs> no matter what, you can always smell that. <laughs> so, it act, so actually, uh, you had a quote from Cat. Uh, you were going to yeah, gonna that, that we that we, we yeah we bond that you know people as humans bond in our vulnerability. Like that's actually where you know the space is created to really get sense. to know people you know in a, in a true way. So. Yeah, it's powerful, powerful thing. That is probably, that is a fantastic quote. Are you going to talk, Lance? Yeah. Dude, you know what? I'm going to have to uh, just thank our sponsors here for a second, Seth. And uh, when I'm done, you can tell me if what? I sound like a real DJ, all right? 
CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a special surprise. Right, Dave? Seriously, we will. I just want to know, is that, is that advertisement specific uh, to the topic at hand here, too? Are you telling me, are you, are you, are you telling me I uh, need some tax help? Yeah. <laughs> it does fit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to read another, another ad before we're done here. Support, uh, support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists at Ruby. They've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio or better yet, call them at... What is it, Lad? 833-861-8100. That's 833-861-8100. Thank you, buddy. And use promo code STARTUPRUBY. STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you and get a $150 credit. That's right. Okay. Yeah, we, we got to right. talking about uh, vulnerability. Um, you know, I think of it. I think of them all the same: humility, vulnerability, accountability, yep. transparency. Yep. Uh, those are beautiful words, all of them. And so, yep. apparently, you started learning these things, but you went to, you know, you got in trouble for the five million dollar yep. check, and uh, kind of not too surprised about that. You uh, actually represented yourself, and that was probably pretty arrogant too, wasn't it? Am I right? You think? Yeah. <laughs> no, they, with, with the, the, the phrases that the, uh, the the person that uh, represents himself has a fool for a client. That's right. I think uh, definitely applies. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So there you go again. And then by the when did you finally go? Oh boy, yeah, I'm done being a criminal. I'm this is this isn't working out. Yeah. No. It was, it was about two years after I was inside that uh, that it hit me. Um, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm really going to be here, and this is a real thing that I have to that I have to own." Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've read this book, but this book really had a quote in it that changed my life. And I don't want to get too too quotey in this episode, but uh, That's it's a book by Napoleon Napoleon Hill that uh, he wrote, "Think and Grow Rich." But yes, he, he wrote a, another book. Um, yeah, he wrote another book that's less well known, uh, but very very good, called "Outwitting the Devil." Hmm. Um, and there was a quote that he said in it that um, said, every tragedy carries with it the seed of an equivalent benefit. Mm-hmm. Right, I like that. And so that, yeah, that quote changed my entire perspective on the situation, on, you know, my accountability, on everything. Because I said, this is a, you know, this is like, next to you know death of a loved one like this is a tough tragedy to go through um i've lost a lot of you know lost everything financially but friends and family and all the stuff that you know you know that happens going through that process i've been you know it's a very dehumanizing process so you just kind of you know you get all the the other stuff uh 
you know, just kind of stripped out of you. Um, but that, that piece said, okay, I said, so if there's you know, if the other side of that is there's an equivalent benefit, like that's got to be a great benefit. So let me start looking at things for where those seeds are being planted. And that changed, that changed my entire time. You know, for the for the remainder of the time that I spent in prison, you started getting busy and thinking positively about doing good things. Well, you know, Dave, that's actually been kind yeah. of a theme with your bakery as well. Good seed, yeah. you know, all the other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of has a correlation yeah. there. That, I turned the bad cool. seed into a good seed. That was my story. That's it. And then eventually Absolutely. made a product out or named that. And uh, so. You know the the story is kind of the same for all of us to in a certain in a certain degree. Lad had his turnaround. I had my turnaround. Uh, Alon still needs to do a turnaround, but that's yeah. our, that's our engineer. You but don't he want first to, has to get in trouble. You don't want to turn around in front of Dave though, because you might be in trouble. Yeah, yeah especially me. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're a victim, brother. <laughs> you're a victim waiting to happen. Uh, but you know. <laughs> that is that is the thing. I mean, we have to experience that that incredible adversity, which has that seed of um, of of just amazing hope. Um, it, there's something about adversity, and that and the, the greater the adversity, the more the more the um, you say benefit, the more the the greater the the reward in a way. For me, it was that case. Yep. Yeah. So there you were. And uh, yep. and when did okay? So is the next thing that happened in your story is that when you were working in the kitchen? And uh, um, wh- what made you start thinking? I remember there's a good story here. I remember you saw something on a box or something uh, of food of chicken. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yes, yeah, so I was working. I was working in the. I was working in the kitchen the majority of my time and. You know, being a professional athlete, I was always, you know, conscious of what I was putting in my body even after I retired and just, you know, really aware of it. And, you know, the, the, the nutrition inside prison, I know they're doing their best, um, but it's, it's less than, you know, it's less than professional athlete status. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty clear to, to see that. Um, you know, I, I came across, uh, you know, a box of chicken one day that I was supposed to serve for lunch. Um, that, and I don't know how I got there, and it was the only time I saw it there, but um, it said not for human consumption on it. And <laughs> that was kind of the the, fi- the final straw for me going, all right, I'm not eating the chicken, you know, and, you know, um, I need to figure out a way to get, yeah. I think McDonald's yeah, has. I need to figure out a way stuff. to get, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, and I've heard, I've heard a bunch of people say, oh, you know, it's, it was maybe for the zoo or it was mislabeled or whatever, and, and I, I really... Yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't really I worked in the kitchen in there too. There was, kind of, there, there yeah. was some freaking rainbow meat, uh, mystery meat that we used to have that had rainbow colors to it. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't think that was fit for human consumption. I've actually seen that labeled in the kitchen as well when yeah. I was in there. Oh, not fit for human really? consumption. Yeah. Yeah. It was fish. Yeah. Some type of fish they they were and supposed nobody to. Ate it. Nobody they, ate it. Right? No, they were supposed to use it for bait. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, they were serving it to the inmates. Mm-hmm. Well, it probably isn't going to kill anybody. It just isn't very good stuff. Um, that's really what it is. So yeah, anyway, that at this point, you're like, I'm going to create something that I that 
you know, you're going to create some whip from from quality ingredients. Did you find some good ingredients? I know you're in a fed joint, so yeah, maybe they have better food there. Better, yeah. I mean, I ingredients. I don't know about the better food, but we we did have some stuff on the commissary that was decent, and, and we did you know we did a lot of R and D work just to kind of figure out like what could be done, and it was all in the in the need of having something healthy that we could get some calories from that would be you know digestible that our bodies could actually use and um so we just we, we tried a bunch of bunch of different things as um there's a guy new in there and, and and i that uh that kind of just started messing around with stuff and we figured out uh, a way to make um you know to make protein bars with the same you know the, the interesting thing is you know this is that everybody has access to the same ingredients so you know, now you're talking about you know competitive landscape, and if you're if you're doing this, you know, and everybody there's no nothing proprietary about it. So, um, did everybody you know, start as doing? As far it? the ingredients go, well, so we figured out a way to actually th- that would make the way we made them was actually the proprietary piece. Uh-huh. So that was our kind of secret sauce, and uh, um, you know, because nobody else knew that, even though they had access to the same ingredients. But we had you know we used oats and honey, and peanut butter. Um, we had a trail mix that they had on on the thing that, that had a bunch of different nuts and almonds and cranberries and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of the, we have two flavors now. One's a cranberry almond, and the other one's a peanut butter chocolate chip. And the, the cranberry almond is the is the nod towards the cranberries of prison as well. So to the um, nod, you were able to get those ingredients on Canteen Commissary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you could order nuts and things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, they had, they had a trail We didn't have that going on. Did we do that, lad? Did we have that? You know, you we didn't really have a large selection. Like yeah. Not like that. I mean, we had a, an array of candy bars. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, candy bars and uh, <laughs> Top Ramen. That was, yeah. In fact, Top Ramen was was currency in there. <clears throat> After smokes went right, away. Right, exactly. Yep, that and the tuna. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The tuna they had tuna in there. Yeah, tuna. And well, you know, do you remember during like Christmas time and stuff like that? They would actually sell some special things uh-huh. that you could kind of stock away for a while, but that didn't last very long. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. I think I was so well, depressed. In the, in the, yeah, go ahead. In the state, you guys, uh, you guys get you could, were able to get packages too, right? No, 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 no. Maybe uh, many years oh, no? ago. Really? Many years ago, but not now. Not anywhere, anywhere uh, in our time. No. You know, you know I think maybe they might do it at some of the lower level prisons, minimums or yeah. something like that. I think maybe your no. guests can bring them in or something. Anyway, so um, I'm not sure yeah. about that. I remember care packages many, many years ago um, in various places that I was at. But yeah, there's not a. Whole, I don't think there's a whole lot of that going on. Sure. But anyway, where were you at now? You you had a proprietary uh, recipe. Yep. Yeah, so we, we the way we made it was uh, was a proprietary process, and you know initially we just started making it so that we could have some calories, and like I said, you know something that was that was tasty and good to eat that we could carry with us and get our workouts in and do all that stuff. But uh, you know then other people kind of heard about what we were doing and looked at it and wanted to buy some, so we you know you know the you know the commentary, I mean the uh, the, the uh, commerce piece that happens in there, you know with using stamps or fish or you know, whatever it is. So we started trading uh, protein bars for, for stamps and fish and, you know, sending people to the store on our behalf. And um, next thing you know, we have a, you know, we have a production team in one unit that's actually making the bars and we have salespeople in other units. And, um, you know, we're 
out there having having fun. Uh, were you the CEO? Yeah, with the, yeah, were you the CEO at that time, or or were you like, or were you sharing the CEO duties, or how did that? I mean, yeah, you were yeah, the boss. No, we were we were we were co-founders. Yeah, mm. um, between the between the two of us, I was I was more running the books um, mm. and the operations, um, and uh, you know, my partner at the time was uh, you know was out the there uh, kind of managing a lot a lot of squads. Yeah. So uh, that that worked out for you in there, apparently. Um, and yep. somewhere along the line, you decided to take this idea to the streets. Yep. Yeah, so I walked out. Of, I walked out of prison with a with with a box of uh, you know a box of these things in my pocket, um, and uh, that's how Inside Out Bars started. You know, um, and it's been been a journey from there. We've been doing this for about four years, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a a heck of a ride, and I think we're, I think we're doing some good stuff. Getting some sales up yet, or is it mostly? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we we uh, you know we like you mentioned before when I walked out of prison, it was like um, I knew I needed a lot of help. I was going back to school. I wanted to start this this company, so I originally called it Prison Bars, um, which was you know a great name for kind of the you know really drawing attention you know, to it and, and to some of the, you know, raising awareness around mass incarceration and, and the whole, you know, specifically um, the challenge with employment for people with criminal histories, um, you know, and, and really addressing that and, and trying to create this company that will, you know, be able to provide a lot of a lot of jobs and opportunities for you know, men and women that, uh, that have been through the criminal justice system. Um, and so prison bars is what we ran it as for a long time. It got a lot of attention um, and, yeah, it was great. It was great. We started making the bars by hand. We did that for a year and a half. I hired a I hired a team of guys that you know had a record, and um, you know we were, we were we were you know putting the bars out at the halfway house and you know everywhere I could put them out. And I was going where, through. Where were you selling at the time. Where would you? Did you? Um, so we were selling them. Yeah, we we had a website. We were selling them online. We we do kind of a make on demand at the time. The the handmade bars we wrap them the same way that. Uh, we wrapped them inside prison, and we just we just added a sticker to it, um, so and we you know we do them saran wrap kind of make on demand. Some like shrink wrap. Yeah, we actually use garbage bags. Huh. We actually cut up garbage bags and we'd spin them up and then you know put them together and, and sure, they, you know, like I said they they had a three week shelf life. So you better you better eat them fast because uh, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna stick around for long. Now we have a year shelf life, but. Um, Back then, Did you get that by, by the way you package? You were able to add a lot of time to it or uh, shelf life. Yeah, we've changed we we've changed the formula, you know, a few times. Now we have now we have such a, a unique product itself that has a probiotic and a prebiotic in it mm -hmm. that it's very much like a functional food and cutting edge, you know, in the food science space. But dig um, digestibility, which is, which is super exciting. A lot of it's about yeah, exactly. digestibility, focusing right? On, focusing on gut health. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. There's a correlation between you and Dave there, you know, when we're talking about um, the product itself. You know, the product, Dave's right. product was extraordinary. Yours sounds the same way to me. Yep. But there is the component of the story behind your story and Dave's story that really propelled Dave's, you know, into another level because he was honest and open and he, and he just put it out there, you know. How important has that, that been for your, your product? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that I have to give credit where credit is due, Dave, because you told me when we first started talking that you have a great story, but if you don't have a great product, it, it, nothing else matters. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I, I learn. I feel like I'm a pretty good learner, but sometimes I learn pretty slowly. <laughs> so it took a little while for me to really get to that space of going, oh, you know, we really need to have a very unique product. Um, and like, to answer your question, you know, with with uh, going with prison bars, you know, it was that was that was having the story front and center. And I, and I really feel like, you know, this journey of kind of the evolution of the product itself is, is really also the evolution of my transition back. Um, because when, you know, I was I was very skittish and very concerned about, you know, would, would people even, you know, accept me would it be you know would they would they care about what i'm talking about would it you know would people you know demonize me for the for the dumb decision that i made um you know to get me in trouble in the first place you know so putting the story out kind of front and center um was very therapeutic for me mm-hmm. yeah. um you know with prison bars you know, and, and it helps you know kind of just exactly exactly um it helps kind of my evolution there but as far as a company standpoint you know it's just, we're a for-profit company, you know, I think we can do a lot of good, you know, in, in, in the for-profit space and, and provide a lot of a lot of jobs and opportunities, you know, much like you've done. Um, and, um, but if there's not, if there's not that great product, then, you know, it just, it just doesn't happen. So, you know, Prison Bars was, you know, really kind of front and center on the story and the product that when we, once we made from, we went from handmade product to a co-packed a commercial product. Um, it was good. It was non-GMO, gluten-free. You know, had decent, decent macros, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't special. You know, the product itself wasn't special, and it took a while to really understand that people were so. You know, I think this is a credit to just the change in society and the viewpoints around people with criminal histories, and um, you know, the, the recognition that everybody makes a mistake. But people were so focused on the mission and wanted to help with the mission that we found that people were really kind of buying bars, quote unquote, as a, just a donation to a cause that they cared about and they were getting bars in return. And, you know, that's, that's nice and it's great, but, you know, to, to have a successful company and really carry out the mission side of things and really actually make the impact that, you know, we wanted to make in a big way. Um, you know, people have to, you know, consumers have to want the product. Absolutely. Period. You know, like yeah. I, I, I just you might ate, sell it once you know, on I, the store. I, I ate your bread for breakfast. What's that? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, the product has to yeah, be good. I mean, it, otherwise it's, yeah. Uh, but I'll t- it does make a difference. Everyone, you know, these days especially, does, a lot of people really, really care who they're buying the product from. Um, yep. If you think yep. about it, uh, you think about the things that, you, the brands that are really good, they are there, even if they're the local brands, they're there because, uh, they're successful because of that, because they have, you yep. know, they have won over their customers partially because of quality and partially because of their story and who they are. Yep. So, yep. so and it's great. And, I, and as a consumer, I do the same thing. Right. Um, real quick, one yep. more, one final uh, ad here for uh, this great organization called Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business 
Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct a PR package right for the future of your business. Also, listeners, please leave Felony Inc. podcast a review on iTunes. We might even read it on the air, wet lad. MFers. Okay. Lad will not Seth, say it. See, see how he does? He writes, he writes in these write bad that. words for me I to say when he knows I don't like to say them. <laughs> I, write, I write the other stuff. This part was not even written by me. Anyway, so, Seth... Um, now you have a. Now you figured out that you have a product. Now how did you figure out that how to make the product that um, is exceptional and meets certain requirements? What, what did you do to make that happen? Well, it's it's a product of, uh, that comes through turmoil again. You know, like uh, like a, you know, definitely a refinement by fire. Um, you know, I remember the day that we pulled the the prison bars team together and, and you know, I, I asked a loaded question. You know, I said, if, if, I, if my story's not here, you know, does the, is the product good enough to stand alone? And, you know, these are folks that have their blood, sweat, and tears in it as well. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we sat around the table and it took about an hour. I already knew the answer was no, but I, you know, you have to let people come to their own their own decisions yeah exactly and so it took about an hour and, and ultimately it was no so once we once we figured that out it's like what's missing that um you know that we can really really get behind and that consumers would want that we would want as consumers as well um and realize just that there's you know there's a lot of really validated science now that's coming out around the gut health and you know the people you know this, this even the, the standard medical science is calling it the second brain and really all of the, you know, the, the trillions of, of cells that, uh, you know, make up our guts that, and how they interact and kind of really direct a lot of our, a lot of our decisions, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's physical health and all these things. So, um, we really wanted to dig into that and make a special product there. So, um, you know, we were able to, able to take, you know, kind of the, the probiotics, um, that are, that are actually live bacteria, um, and put them into a dormant state that now in this, you know, protein bar form, once um, they connect with saliva, are now woken and activated and, you know, can be can be uh, really a, a huge benefit to the gut. And the probiotic, I mean, the, the prebiotic part is actually food for the probiotic uh, bacteria. So it actually, the prebiotics are not something that is, is digestible by the human body. But the probiotics are actually what you know live on that, and it's kind of the miracle growth for them to go through the digestion process and survive through that pretty tumultuous uh, tumultuous process if you're you know if you're a live culture. So, so um, this is uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of evolved from there. That's pretty. Uh that that's a fairly complex although you know anybody that's into the into health and studies health at all uh knows a little bit about prebiotics and uh and all that the, those kind of things but the actual what you're doing and how you're supplying that that requires education for someone no matter what that you're going to have to get your information out there how do you do that Yep. So we're doing that in, in numerous forms. Um, you know, this this show is a great is a great opportunity. So thank you for that to do that too. Um, and you know, we have we have uh, we're working on really kind of getting a free ebook out. And you know, the the channel. You know, the great thing is this kind of 
one of those things that, you know, medical science has just deemed the gut microbiome as an official organ. So it's now the largest organ of the body, um, uh, I think, next to the skin. And the, you know, so now there's all this, you know, there's all this money that's able to be poured into standard medical science. And it's no longer this kind of woo-woo, you know, maybe, maybe probiotics do something, maybe they don't. There's actual medical doctors that, you know, um, uh, are able to, you know, allocate resources to, to figuring this stuff out. So I think we're really, you know, kind of on the, on the cutting edge of, uh, really knowing how beneficial this this can be there's a there's even some studies out this is much more on the on the woo woo side but um you know of companies that are trying to take uh you know some of the and kind of harvest the gut microbiome of really top performing athletes and through fecal transplants um get those get those uh, bacteria into you know other other athletes and sell them as a, as a product so that's a whole other whole other level of the game, but wow, um, my lad, that you know, pretty, pretty interesting. That's kind of like eating shit. You're used to that. <laughs> 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 I'm exactly. transplant some shit wow. in the lad's Because mouth. you know why? Because if I if I beat <laughs> actually he talks a lot more than he eats, but you know, Seth, if I beat the shit out of Dave, there'd just be a big bag of skin laying on the floor. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> So Seth, you know, I I got a question for you. You know, I I, I was looking you up before you came on today, and uh, I was impressed that you know your business start, just started, and and just like Dave, Dave has um, you know he hired about a third um, ex felons to work for his company. Mm-hmm. And I see that you have about twenty five, and I'm also interested. Are they all ex felons? Uh, twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So we so twenty five is is the number count of of people that have criminal histories within our within our organization and, and entire supply chain. So. Um, yeah, we have a fulfillment center that, that, that has an open hiring policy. We have a, a co-packing facility that has an open open uh, hiring policy. Our, our you know our marketing folks are all uh, formerly incarcerated. Our designer is a formerly incarcerated guy. So um, you know, and very very talented and very high quality. And um, you know, there's no reason no reason not to to uh, have them on board. Hey, this is great, Seth. You know, uh, it's too bad we don't have more time today because, you know, honestly, we're just kind of getting into this. Uh, you're an interesting guest, and uh, I want to thank you for being on, first of all, but I also want to give you one more chance if you have, like, an elevator pitch or, you know, any kind of spill, you know, send, share your websites, all that stuff with us. Sure. I appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. And, um, you know, we, we have... Uh, two flavors, like I mentioned, of Inside Out bars. We have a, a cranberry almond, which is for the people that like marzipan. It's definitely right at that level. You'll love this. Um, for the people that don't like marzipan, we have a peanut butter chocolate chip uh, flavor that you know both of them have uh, either 15 or 16 grams of protein, uh, low sugars, and also probiotics, a billion CFUs of probiotics, and the prebiotics to make them be fully absorbed by the body get them into the right spot you can find us at insideoutbar.com um inside out, inside out bar. is that just straight inside out okay. there's no no uh, marks or no um hyphens or nope. anything no nope. straight okay. straight through insideoutbar.com okay. um and they're they're criminally delicious and functionally nutritious <laughs> at the same time criminally delicious <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that's a good one um 
You know, Seth, if you if you can, maybe you should send um, a box of those to our to to Ned Space here, where the folks can all try them. Um, you know, yeah, that'd be really cool. So, uh, hey, well, thanks again, Seth Sundberg, ex-felon creator of Inside Out Bar. Next week, our guests are Brian Hamilton and A.J. Ware of the nonprofit Inmates to Entrepreneurs program. You can check them out at inmatestoentrepreneurs.org. That's right. And coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so que pasa, mis hermanas y hermanas. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.